You know, as a, as a dad, I'm especially grateful for the grace of God because I recognize more and more how much I desperately need it. Amen. I'm grateful that God has allowed us to be here, and I know that the Lord has a great plan for us. You know, I was reading this week in preparation for uh, this morning, and as I was pre- preparing, I, I read a story about a dad uh, who, and I, I really was able to identify with this pretty easily, uh, and he was driving uh, to a destination he was very familiar with, and, and he came up to a road close sign, and we've seen a lot of those lately, haven't we, with the high water and different things, and and so he says, his wife was with him and said, I don't think it's a good idea to go around that. They've got that up for a reason. He says, well, don't worry about it. He says, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. He says, we'll get, we'll get through this. And he just proudly just kept on going. Several miles later, he was down the road and he was feeling pretty good. And he, and he looked over his wife and said, what do you think? A good decision, wasn't it, about that? He looked up and he slammed on his brakes. The bridge was out. Boy, he felt about two inches tall. He turned the car around and he drove back all the way back to his destination. And as he got back to the sign, on the back side of that sign that said road closed, it says, welcome back, stupid. (laughs) You know, and I got to thinking about that. You know, sometimes as men, we are uniquely gifted by God. Amen. Uh, We have gifts and abilities that God's given us, and, you know, sometimes it's to be tenacious, and sometimes it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes it's it's all different things that God's given men, and I'm grateful that God makes men and women different. Amen? I I sure wouldn't want my wife to be like me, and she wouldn't want me to be like uh, her, you know? And so it's a gift from God that we have unique differences, and it's a blessing to see that God allows us in this thing called marriage to be able to interact together. But I think about, uh, you know, the differences of dads. You ever think about dads? And you ever wonder why in the world the women die before dads do? Well, I found the reason right here. That's a good reason. <laughs> Take a quick look at that skill saw going across that man's back. <laughs> How about the next one? I'm glad the heavy guy is on the end of the ladder on top of the... Amen? Keep going. This is a unique way to trim bushes. I, I just... I'm amazed. Okay. This may be something we encounter in the Dominican Republic when we go in a few months here. This is a classic. I've seen this several times, and I think every time I see it, I think, not me, buddy. Uh Uh-uh. All right. I think that's it. No, this last one. Wow. That's all I can think to say. You know, it's like, how, why, I, I don't have a clue. Although we are tempted, if the lights ever go out in here, to try something like that in here to any volunteers. You know, we think about dad today, dad is just different than mom. You know, when we talk about mom, we talk about, oh, mom loved us. And, you know, mom really, I could honestly say mom taught me how to love. Dad taught me how to be a man. You know, and so dads are very uniquely designed and gifted by God. And my dad was a builder, and he built homes, and he still builds homes, and he builds banks, and he built hotels, and he built all these structures. And I remember as a kid, we'd drive down the road, and dad would look up and say, I built that. And he'd drive a little further, and he'd say, I built that. And then he'd say, all of these houses in here, he said, my crew built these. And boy, I was amazed as a kid. I thought, how in the world, Dad, can you get around, get all the time to build all these things? I thought it was amazing. Anybody have a dad like that? And just go around and my dad sheetrocked that or my dad had that part in that hand. And, you know, I was just amazed by, amazed by uh, my dad. But, you know, as a father, we get to build as well, don't we? And God's called us to build a house of faith. And with, let's look in Matthew chapter 17 together in verse number 14 because there was a dad here that really loved his family and loved his child and, and, and we see that he had a really desi- a large desire in his heart to build faith in his children. And so Matthew chapter 17 and verse 14. 
It says, And when they were come to the multitude, and uh, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Let us stop and pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Above everything else, we recognize He is, Lord, the centerpiece of our faith and practice today. He is the reason we have hope. He is the reason that we can build a home uh, on a solid foundation. And so may you endeavor, Lord, to inspire us, Lord, to greater uh, service to this great Savior. We thank you, we praise you, and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share three things with you, hopefully very quickly this morning. And I want you to just encourage you regarding building a house of faith requires a a foundation of faith. You know, above everything else, as I look at the text this morning, I see uh, that there was uh, a desire for a father that had a burden to bring his child to Jesus Christ. Uh, You know, I I think as a a dad of four that oftentimes I, I get burdened for my children. Uh, I, I, I cry over my children. I pray for my children. Uh, you know, I'm burdened when my children fight. I'm burdened when, when they make wrong decisions. And, and you know, I, those things are things that, that burden me as a dad. But this dad had a little bit different burden. He carried that of a, a, of a lunacy, of a, uh, his son was, was demon-possessed. And in this burden, we recognize that the father tried to bring him to the disciples and the disciples couldn't do anything for him and the father's burden didn't go away. It wasn't eased. And so he brought him directly to the master, directly to Jesus Christ. And let me encourage you that today our children need us to bring them to Jesus Christ. They don't need a religion. They don't need a methodology. They don't need any of those things. What they need is Jesus Christ because He alone is the Savior today. And so, you know, as a dad, I see myself in Him in that I want to bring my children to Christ. Boy, it's been a privilege to be able to see three out of four of my children trust Christ as their Savior. And boy, it's a privilege to be able to, to, to take, I remember Asa, he's sitting down here, and so I was able to, we were able to sit down with him and just share Christ with him. And in our, in, was it our kitchen? I think it was our kitchen, living room, somewhere in the house. Oh, it's in this room. My wife's got it all figured out. It was right over here in this room. I think Josiah also was in this room, and then Anna was at Baptist Temple. And, and we think about different, uh, different scenes in our child's life, and we see them growing because we want to bring them to Jesus Christ. And this, this, uh, this father, he, he knew that only Jesus could truly bring healing the nine, I want to just back up real quick and give you a picture of what's going on. Jesus Christ, prior in this passage, had just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. He had been there with Elias and Moses, and we see him there on, the, on that mount, and he was transfigured before them, and they saw the glory of the Lord really revealed in Christ. 
And he was obviously one of the, the highlights of his moments on earth was he, when he was transfigured. And Peter and James and John were there and they said, he said, they said, Jesus, let us just stay here and build you a great temple and a monument to this prestigious moment and let us never forget what we've witnessed here. And Jesus said, no, there's still work to be done. Jesus said, I don't need a monument. What I need is to continue to be effective in changing hearts and lives. And that's what he did. He came down off of that mountain, and as he's there on the side of that mountain, there's these nine apostles and this multitude that is gathered. And as these apostles are there, there's this father who's in a crisis, and he brings his child to the Savior. And he says, listen, these guys couldn't help me, but I know you can. I know you can help my child. I know you can help me. We see the distress of the child was great. The child suffered from, uh, the Bible says he was a lunatic and he was sore vexed. A lunatic is probably someone who has some sort of a distemper in the brain. But listen, we think about this. We think about the fact that he was sore vexed by the devil. And we see that this, this, this fact alone realizes us to, to recognize in this child that the father said he cast him into the fire and sometimes in the water. This demon desired the destruction of his child. I think about the world today. The world is not here to help you make the best you can out of your child. That's God's job. We don't need to bring our children to the world. We need to bring them to Christ. Christ is the only one that can cure the incurable. Christ is the only one that can help us with our children. And when we deal with the burden of our child and we deal with these things, let me remind you that 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 reminds us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Listen, he desires to devour our children. This father expressed some disappointment. Man, can you imagine being there with, his, with the disciples and there's nine of Christ's disciples, nine of the guys that he hangs out with intimately on a regular basis and he brings his child to him and says, listen, I've got to have hope. Where's the, where's the Savior? Where's the Messiah? Where's Jesus Christ? And, they, and he, the disciples look at him and say, look, he's on the mountain, but we can help you with what you need. And, and he says, listen, my son, he's, he's, he's vexed with the devil and he, he's got all these problems and, and I, I don't know what to do, but I know if you don't help me soon that he will be destroyed. And so the, the disciples said, well, well, we can help you. We've done this before. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 1, we see prior to this point that uh, it says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Listen, they failed at this moment. Prior to this, this point in Matthew 17, they were successful in casting out demons and healing sicknesses and these things. But at this point, they had failed drastically. What in the world happened? Listen, I think maybe Christ was reminding us, without Him, we can do nothing. Without Jesus Christ, there is nothing that we're able to do. There are some times when God allows things in our life to draw us closer to Him. Think about some of the sicknesses that we encounter. Think about some of the, 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 um, the uh, financial woes that we experience, or maybe that of a wayward child, and we consider all of these things, and God uses those to draw us closer to Himself. See, the failure of human instruments does not hinder the work of God. The failure of human, human instruments will not uh, eliminate the grace of God at work. What we need is not human instruments. We need God today. Look at the Father's belief with me. Although He was there on top of the mountain being transfigured, it didn't change Him. 
Matthew uh, Henry said this, Healing the affected, afflicted boy at the foot of the mountain revealed Jesus' compassion and power in response to faith. Listen, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 said this, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. The same God then, the same God today. We serve a mighty God this morning. And so as he looks at him, he says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. In verse number 17, Jesus is talking to the crowd and he's listen, he, He's saying, Listen, uh, your faith has allowed you to see nothing happen, but with God all things are possible. Matthew, uh, look at Psalms with me. Psalms chapter 95. It'll be on the screen, but I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me. There's several verses I want to look here together. Out of Psalms chapter 95. In Psalms 95, we read about the children of Israel, and we see that, that they are uh, in, the, in the wilderness, and we see that God is talking about them specifically, and, and we see that because of their unbelief, that God couldn't work in and through them. In verse, chapter 95 and verse 7, it says, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation as in the day of the temptation in the wilderness. The psalmist here is refer, reflecting back to that time where they spent 40 years with hard hearts in the wilderness. He says, When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Their lack of faith affected the outcome of their life. Where is your faith today? I think that this is where Jesus Christ is coming back in our text. And later on, He says, listen, if you just have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, and on the front of your coin you'll see a mustard seed. In the office Friday, we were taking them all apart and out of the packages and getting them set in the baskets so they were ready. And as we were taking them apart, I found one little mustard seed. So if you lost your mustard seed off of yours, it's in the carpet of my office somewhere. I have no idea where it was. We couldn't find it. It was so small. But listen, we think about that little mustard seed faith. And Jesus says, listen, it, it doesn't matter about the size of that faith. What you, it matters where that faith is resting today. Amen. Build the foundation of faith in your family by, by choosing to lead your cha- uh, family to church, by choosing to lead your family in prayer, by choosing to lead your family in devotion. Listen, we're burdened for our children today. So let this burden generate a, a devotion to Christ in your life. Let this generation... Uh, see that, that uh, Christ is our calling, that our God-giving purpose is to build the foundation of faith in our homes. Let's talk about the formation of faith. Formation of faith. And so we think about this together. Uh, you know, as you build a house, you have a good solid foundation, and you, you invest a lot of money in the foundation. Because if you don't, your foundation will cause your house to fall eventually. But then you begin to, to build, to form walls, if you will. I love to watch houses go up. Anybody else like to, to watch these? I enjoy, I, I was over visiting with the Nick's family not too long ago, and, and they've got a whole subdivision they're building. There's probably 30 houses right in there they're building, and you can see them in various stages. Some have got the dirt work done. Some have got the foundation poured. Some of them have got the, uh, the walls are standing. Some of them have the roof and the walls up, but they haven't finished the skin. Some of them are almost completely there. They just have to finish the sod around the outside of the home. And as you look at all these different houses in various stages of construction, I'm reminded that it takes time to form those structures. And, and God calls us to, listen, take time and form the foundation, form the faith in your family. Form faith. It doesn't come naturally. The, the, the 
What happens is they bring, they order material, they bring it to the job site, they drop it off, and, and without somebody being willing to come along and say, listen, we're going to grab our hammers and our nails and we're going to begin to, with our saws to cut these things and to stand these in place and put places for windows and places for doors, none of that stuff would come to life unless someone chose to form this home. We've taken some time. And so this is what we do. To form faith in our children, we must bring them in. Notice the Father. Jesus Christ, He's talking to the Father. He says, bring Him hither to me. Christ calls us to bring our children to, to Him. Christ is asking us today, will you readily, will you willingly bring, bring your children to Him? Will you allow them to come to Christ? We recognize that, that church is a good place for that, but also in a home setting. You know, when I'm at home, I, I want to constantly point my children back to the Savior. Bring them in. Some parents state, well, I'll just let them decide what they want to believe. That's like saying, well, I'll just let them play in the highway when they want to. You know, I, I, matter of fact, you can, uh, you can just Google that question. Should I let my children decide what they should believe? And you'll get a whole plethora of answers many from people who are unbelievers. I'm grateful that this, uh, this son, that this son who was a lunatic and he was demon-filled, I'm grateful he didn't, his father didn't say, well, he knows that Jesus is in town. If he wants to go, he, just, he can go on his own. Listen, God's calling us as men to say, listen, I'm going to church and you're coming with me. I like to say as a when I was a teenager, I had a drug problem. I didn't do, have needles and I didn't have any joints or any of those things. What I had was my dad drug me to church when I didn't want to go. You know, I'm grateful for that because I recognize that my dad saw the value of church in my life. And even when I didn't want to go and I'd make excuses, he'd say, I don't care, let's go. Get dressed and we're going. I remember as a child, I would put, my dad would make me wear a shirt and tie at a junior church. How many of you enjoy shirt and ties? Amen. Brother Terry, he's the only liar in here this morning. I mean, only person to say that this morning. I'll be the first one to admit, I don't necessarily enjoy them either, but this is what I, what I recognize is my dad made me wear them. And we'd get out of the car on Sunday morning, and I was throwing a fit because I didn't want to wear a shirt and tie, and I'd be in that shirt and tie, and he'd have it zipped up so tight I couldn't breathe, and shirt was tucked in, and I looked fine and sharp, and he had my shoes polished up, and boy, we'd walk into the building. By the time church ended, my, hand, my tie was in my hand, dragging along behind me. My shirt was untucked, and probably three or four buttons undone, and I was walking out like this. I was much happier that way. Listen, but my dad chose to drag me to church. Father, the greatest responsibility we have is to bring our children in. Would you bring them to Jesus Christ? Would you recognize that it's not just a once in a, a, a while thing, but, an, but a daily thing? A daily living that says, I'm going to make sure I live Christ. This is a great quote. Children are great imitators, so give them something great to imitate. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through, 9 and 5 through 9 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them. And when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thy house and on thy gates. Listen, the Bible reminds us that we are to teach the Scriptures to our children. We are, to, are the ones that are supposed to say, listen, let me show you what God's Word teaches. 
So let's talk about a couple ways how I can bring my child to Christ. One, a threefold strategy. One, live it. Live it. Above everything else, you know what our children need to see? They need to see a dad who's the same on Sunday morning as he is on Monday morning. You know what our children need to see is they need to see us willing to say, I am not going to frustrate you or provoke you to wrath. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. He says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know what? Literally, this means being consistent with your walk with God. Provoke not your children to wrath. You know what causes wrath? Hypocrisy. A dad that says, you know what, you've got to, you've, you know, excuse me, you ever known anybody that says, don't you dare start smoking? It's not very effective coming from that kind of source. And so that's why God reminds us, one, we have to live what God calls us to live. Secondly, preach it. Now, obviously not everybody's a preacher, but we all proclaim the gospel of Christ, and we can proclaim it to our family. In the Jewish culture, it was common for the families to sit around at the table together and they would recite the Shema. And as they sat there together, they would share these verses together and they had the practice of teaching these verses to their children. Today, in the average home, even the average Christian home, when it's time for dinner, mom hollers, dinner's ready, or dad hollers, dinner's ready, or whoever's cooked, and, or maybe you just fend for yourself type of a deal, and everybody comes and they get their food and they go back to their rooms to watch their favorite TV show, and they're spread out in different places. Listen, I don't think that's a good design. What happened to the opportunity to sit down at the table and say, hey, what's going on in your life today? What happened at school? Tell me about what your teacher taught you. Tell me about the, the uh, activities going on in your life. Tell me about the church activities coming on. Oftentimes, we delegate the teaching to professionals. But you're the professional in your home. You're the one that God has called to, and, and is, um, has to be the godly teacher. God gives us a divine opportunity to speak truth to our children. Will you do it? The thing, third thing I see is pray it. We've got to live it. We've got to preach it. We've got to pray it. Pray for your children. There is no greater power in this earth than the power of prayer. That's what Matthew 17, 20 says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Pray for your children. God can break down barriers that Satan builds up. God can do the miraculous if you'll let him. I want to encourage you also that God calls us in the, in the building and the forming of the home to build up uh, their faith. God calls us to bring them in. God calls them to build it up, to encourage growth in the Lord. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. About eight months ago, the Lord really convicted me about my children. And I began to pray for my kids specifically. And I'd prayed for them specifically, but this was different. The Lord convicted me about praying that my children would have and believe in God for themselves and not God because Dad does. You know, I didn't want them to trust in Dad's God. I didn't want them to have the faith of their father. I wanted them to have the faith that God had given them in Jesus Christ alone. And so I began to very specifically ask God, Lord, help my children to see your miracles and to recognize them. 
that they could see the miracles of God in their, you know, for their, with their own eyes. As a child, I saw God in our church give us our building back. We were in financial uh, dis- disaster as a church, and God gave us our building back miraculously. As a child, I saw my mom and dad and their relationship restored after four years of separation. As a child... Excuse me, as a teenager, God allowed me to go to Mexico, and in one service we saw 77 people trust Christ as their Savior. I'm telling you what, these miracles helped to, to form and to give me a solid foundation for my faith. But I thought, Lord, what about my own children? What about their own lives? What about their own faith? And so I began to pray specifically, God help my children to see miracles. Isn't God good? Last week when we got a call that my mom's cancer was in remission, we prayed that night together as a family and had a good time shaving a beard and all that stuff. But listen, we prayed. We, we bowed together as a family and we prayed. And I remember hearing one of my children praying, Lord, thank you for healing Nanny. Another one of my children said, we know it was God that healed her. Only God could have done this. And I said, Lord, thank you for answering both of those prayers. May God continue to allow our children to see miracles in their life. May God allow our children to see their faith built up. When our child is going through a turbulent time, that's when we need to pray the most. That's when we need to bring them to Jesus Christ. That's when we need to make sure that we bring Him to the Savior. Not only when they're weak, but also when they're strong. Never underestimate the power that God has given you as a parent. Never underestimate the power that, and the, of influence that God has given you as the father, as the, as the mother, to be able to form and shape the faith of your child as a parent. Pray that their faith will be rooted in their relationship with God. Last thing, very quickly, let's talk about the function. Why do we have a home in the first place? Well, as we've experienced a round of storms lately, I'm grateful for my home. Friday night, we were up at the, uh, the fish fry, had a tremendous time. Brother Dennis, thank you for opening that up. And if you look at my son Josiah this morning, you'll be reminded why we're thankful for our homes. He's got these dots all over his face, mosquito bites. Man, I'm thankful. When I got home after the fish fry, we had camped outside, no tent, nothing like that. We were roughing it, you know, we're being men. We were being dumb. And anyways, and we got home. And my son, he had all these speckles on his face. He got up this morning and he just looks like the, he's got the measles. And so if you see my son this morning, he does not have the measles. He has mosquitoes, all right? And boy, I, th- I think about the function of our home. It provides protection. It provides a place where we can interact together. It, it, it provides a place for great lasting memories. Maybe there's a place in your home that's special to you. For us, it was always the back porch where a lot of growing happened on that back porch. Let's talk about a growing faith. These disciples, what happened? These nine disciples had been with Jesus. They had, they had seen God do miraculous works. They'd seen the feeding of the 5,000, the 7,000. They'd seen God do great things. What in the world happened? Why, did, why did they, were they not able to see this one healed? Sometimes we doubt that the work of God is still able to help. Sometimes we doubt the validity of the call of God in our life. Sometimes we doubt the, the validity of God's presence. Never doubt, just believe. Remember Matthew 28, 20, after he gives us the great commission, he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so we talk about faith. 
And that function of that faith is to enable us to see the power of God at work. Um, did you know, with the, we talk about mustard seed faith, and we think about that, and it's often really small, but you know what the largest nut in the world is? A coconut. This is a picture that I found of the largest coconut in the world. It can be up to 12 inches long and weigh up to 40 pounds. Aren't you glad you didn't get coconuts this morning to take home? Now we think about a mustard tree and we think about the mustard seed and the mustard tree grows throughout the much of the Middle East and Africa, uh, generally attaining a height of no more than 25 feet with uh, lots of leaves. Uh, and we think about uh, them and this is a picture of it here. Uh, you know, it's not quite the most beautiful tree you'd ever want, and, but God has made it a very uh, able to thrive in different types of conditions. They can live and thrive and grow on less than eight inches a year. This is what Christ says. If you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, if your faith is even the smallest thing, He says, listen, it can grow and be something that I can use. It is not a big faith in God that matters, but faith in a big God. Remember to have a growing faith. It's got to start small, but it grows. It, it has to continue. It continues to grow and let your faith grow. We must also have a going faith. And we see that here as he talks about the mountains. And the, really, the mountain is just an analogy. But I picture Jesus Christ. He's come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. He turns around and he says, Listen, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, He's pointing back at a literal mountain, Get thee hence and it'll, it'll obey. Listen, Jesus Christ is truly mountain, is able to move mountains. A going faith compels us to continue to move forward by faith and continues to allow our children to see us going forward. How can we do more this year than we did last year for Christ? How can we uh, give more to missions? How can we step out by faith? How can we make sure that we share the gospel? Do your children see you passing out tracts? Do your children see you sharing your faith? Does your faith compel you to go? And we see this last admonition here, Matthew 17, 21. He says, How be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Fasting and prayer are proper, name, proper means for the bringing down of Satan's power against us and the fetching in of divine power to assistance. Fasting is of use to put an edge upon prayer. It is an evidence and insistence of humiliation, which is necessary in prayer, and is a means of mortifying some corrupt habits and of disposing the body to serve the soul in prayer. Listen, prayer is able. Will you pray? Will you choose in your life to be able to say, listen, I want to make sure that in my life I commit myself to prayer. I want my faith to be a going faith. I want my faith to be a growing faith. I want to be able to resist the devil and see him flee from us. I want, I want my faith to call me to action. I want my faith to allow me to grow in the freedom that God offers. I want my faith to be such that my, my family looks at me and they say, because of what God, Dad believes, that we know that there is power in the Word of God today. Because of what Dad believes and what Dad lives and what Dad has done, I want to make sure that, that my life follows His. There was a story about a little boy who had been invited to a friend's birthday party. And he was so excited. He wanted to go so bad. And, but as the, day, the day right before the party, there was a terrible snowstorm that struck. And the storm came, came through, and it was just a terrible blizzard. And, and heavy fake flakes were falling, and the wind was howling. And the father looked at the son and said, Son, I don't think you should, you should go to this party, because he had to walk to it. 
And the little boy was so disappointed and he began to, to, to uh, ask his father and say, please, dad, let me go to this party. I want to go so bad. And, and so finally the dad relented and said, all right, you could go. And the little boy bundled up his hat and got his coat on, put his scarf around his neck so he wouldn't freeze to death, and he started down the road. And he got all the way to his friend's house, and he was turning around, knocking the snow off of his boots, and he turned around and he saw Dad. Dad had walked with him. He didn't know he was there. But Dad had walked all the way with him to make sure he was safe, and he was watching over. You know, that love of Dad is something special. But this story illustrates the heart of a good father. We want our children to grow. We want them to be safe. We want them to make it not just to adulthood, but to have the heart of faith. Building the house of faith requires first and foremost that you put your faith in Christ as your Savior. Christ's primary concern was not to heal the leper, though He did. His primary concern was not to open the blinded eyes, though he did that too. His primary concern was the washing away of sins for all mankind. This sacrificial gift was demonstrated to us when Christ died on the cross. And today, this is what God says, you can accept this incredible gift of salvation by placing your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven? This is what God says that you can too have a home in heaven. But Christian, let me ask you, why should we build a house of faith? Because there's no greater calling. There's no job on this earth that is near as valuable and near as eternal and near as, as, as close to the God's heart as when we as men choose to live the godly life that God's called us to. Will you live in such a way that we're bringing our children to Christ?